When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. today with Nicole Solas, a mom in Rhode Island who wants to know what her kid is learning in school, public school, tried to get some answers, but didn't get the answer she was hoping for in the least. Nicole, welcome. Hi, how are you? This is such a story. So so take me back to, to when it started. I believe it was in the spring. You emailed your school principal about your daughter who is about to enter kindergarten for her curriculum. Was it politically motivated when it came to race and gender? What was their answer to you? Well, they told me that they don't call children in kindergarten, boys and girls, that they refrain from using gendered terminology and um, that they embed the values of gender identity into the classroom. And with critical race theory, they said that they have a certain line of thinking about history that they teach students at an age-appropriate level and in all grades. And in kindergarten, for example, they ask five-year-olds what could have been done differently on Thanksgiving. And so that, uh, to me, is a politically motivated um, lesson. And when I asked for more examples of these practices that they had, because the principal said that they they have these common practices with um, embedding the values of gender identity. And so now, of course, I wanted to know all the practices. So I emailed the principal a list of questions, and we agreed that I would send her this list and that she would answer them for me. But when she got the email, she then told me to submit public records requests. Um, and then... During this time, I had been trying to get a tour of the school, and they gave me a lot of runaround. They never gave me a tour. And when I wanted the curriculum itself, they again told me to submit a public records request. So I had multiple people in my school department telling me that the only way I could get answers were submitting public records requests. Okay. I have so many questions, but perhaps the simplest question is because I too, my oldest, will be entering kindergarten this fall. And that will be my um, first time dealing with the public school system as a parent. Um, If they're not girls or boys, what are they called? I think she said they call them friends, which is, you know, fine. But when you know that it's politically motivated, or at least ideological, it then made me wonder, well, what else are they doing that is ideological? I also thought, perhaps erroneously, that I wouldn't have to deal with this in kindergarten? <laughs> I thought maybe, you know, when they really start to read second or third grade, but it's happening in kindergarten. Yeah. And, you know, since I've been investigating my district and connecting to more people, I've learned that the way that they um, inject this ideology, especially like with little kids, is um, they integrate things into other lessons. Like, Um, you know, they might have a sex ed lesson integrated into learning uh, a problem of addition. So uh, I might be like, um, 
I mean, I'm trying to think of an example, like, uh, you know, if, if so-and-so has, you know, I can't even think of a good example. I'd have to use the example that I got from someone. I can't remember it, but we can come back to that later if I find it, if you want. So how are the teachers coming up with this? I mean, are, are we saying that every teacher in your, in your district and some other districts, um, is political and they're finding ways to bring these ideologies into math or science or whatever it is they're teaching? I think that some teachers are true believers. And um, I mean, I, and I know some are because people have been showing me what their kids are learning in mm-hmm. other districts. So for example, I know a parent who showed me all of the work that their, that their son did and he's in high school he had an English class and everything he did was from a Marxist critique um, or from a, uh, like a critique with gender identity as, as the lens. So he may have been reading a great classic American book of, you know, it was like Steinbeck, but then they're told to read Steinbeck through this Marxist lens and learn about Marxism that way. Would you be okay with that in a college course? Sure. Because I mean, I think it's important to learn about Marxism and, you know, you can even learn about critical race theory as a theory, but the problem is, is that schools are, are teaching little kids practices of critical race theory. So they're, they're practicing the theory, almost like you're practicing a religion. I mean, you can learn a course about lots of different religions but to have practices of it in school where you're learning the values and rituals of it, that's something that parents need to know and decide if they want their kids doing. Two things that about your story that really speak to me is that you're a new mom to the school system. And we've heard so much about CRT and all these issues that our kids may or may not be learning in, in class. Now parents because of this awareness are doing what you did. They're saying, oh, wow, let me get information when honestly, last year, the year before, you probably would have been like, ah, whatever, they'll be, they'll be fine. They're just going to kindergarten. But new parents to school systems um, are going to be the thorn in the side of many of these school boards and these teachers unions. And how have you been a thorn in the side of the largest teachers union in the country, uh, the, the National Education Association in Rhode Island? Well, um, I didn't realize how they had infiltrated my school district. Um, my, I have a, there was a school committee member that was an NEA union member sitting on the school committee. And I also was not aware that the school committee basically did the bidding of the teacher union. I learned that when you want to run for school committee, you need to have the teacher union funding your campaign. Um, I've heard from other people in another town that once they get on school committee, the teacher union, um, some representative will say, well, okay, well, now you know you're just here to, to do what the teacher union wants, right? So really, for me, in my district, the teacher union kind of runs the town. They even had a meeting about me where they put my name and pictures on slides, and then they characterized me as an attack on public education because I was submitting the public records request. And they had 250 teachers at this meeting now being told that this mom in the school district is their, you know, enemy now. So apparently they, you know, see me as a threat. And um, I just wish the school didn't tell me to submit public records 
request if it was going to be such a problem. You know, they could have just answered my questions and we wouldn't have had to have gone through all this. But they couldn't have answered your questions because they might be trying to conceal some information or some viewpoints that some members might have. I mean, I think that's right. I think that what's really going on is that school districts do not want to have open debate about this. And I think that they don't want to do that because they know that they cannot overcome a challenge on the merits because the challenges that I have um, have to do with constitutional laws and anti-discrimination laws that say that they're at risk of losing their funding if they are going to implement these practices and policies that they want to have. So I think they're trying to avoid opening themselves up to that. Have they sued you? Yeah. So the teacher union, NEA, sued me. Um, This is after my school threatened to sue me in a public meeting. Um, Now the teacher union filed a lawsuit against me. And they are doing this to prevent the disclosure of public information coming out from my public records requests. They're suing you for what exactly? For being a a diligent mom trying to learn and get a handle on what her child is learning? What are they suing you for? Yeah, it seems that way. So this is what I think is a collusive litigation. And a lot of people think this too. So they are suing me. And the school district is a, is a plaintiff. So I'm sorry, is a defendant. So I'm a defendant with the school district and they are asking the court for declaratory relief. They want a judge to say that preemptively I cannot get the information I'm getting because they want the judge to find that this information is not in the public public's interest to release. Um, they've also. Okay. Okay. Wait, how is it not in the public's interest to release when we are the public sending our kids, our taxpayer dollars being used for public schools. It's very much in our interest. Right. Okay. So what, what they want the judge to do is have a balancing test. They want to balance the public interest against the interest of privacy for any teacher or school employee that would be what they think is harassed if this information came out. And so Of course, we don't want anyone being harassed, certainly not in the way that the NEA has harassed me. But if teachers are teaching CRT and talking about it, you know, they're specifically concerned with email communications I requested. Well, that is subject to public scrutiny. And what the NEA wants to do is give them special treatment and say, well, the privacy interests outweigh the interest of the public here. Will you be sending your child to public kindergarten or are you thinking maybe private school is your answer? No, I enrolled her in in private school after all of this happened because if they can target me so viciously, I I am afraid that they would target her too. And I just don't feel safe in the school district anymore. Would you say you're being bullied by the teachers union? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is frivolous litigation. I don't think they have standing. And um, there's already Rhode Island Supreme Court case law that says that a private party cannot interfere with a private citizen requesting public information. So if they don't know this, which I think they do, um, that's just pure incompetence. And if they do know it, they're doing this to try to intimidate and bully me. You know, this is lawfare. They're using litigation to say, hey, we have all the money in the world and we're going to file suit against you and try to delay your your information and, and really just, you know, try to make you miserable with litigation. 
Well, unions are powerful, but parents are too. And we're going to have more of Nicole's story on We're Momming today right after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. We're back on We're Momming today with Nicole Solis, a mom who took on her public school system for their failure to give her the information about what kids would be learning about some key, perhaps controversial topics um, in, in the classroom. And what would your advice be, Nicole, to, to other parents out there looking to get information? What questions should be, we be asking? And quite frankly, who should we be asking? Is it the school principal? Is it the superintendent? Who is that person? Well, I asked everybody. Um, when I didn't get an answer from one person, I went to another person. So I asked my school, well, first, I think start at your principal, right? Because the principal oversees her, his or her own school, and they're, they're going to know what's going on with the curriculum. But if you don't get answers or if you, if you get non-answers, then you have to um, email them. I think email, follow up your phone calls with emails and say, oh, okay, so this is the conversation we had so that way no one can deny what was said on the phone. And then if they don't answer your email, then I think you need to submit public records requests because a public record request legally obligates them to respond to you in my state in 10 days. Every state's laws are a little different. Um, and then if they don't give you the information or if the information they gave you is wrong, you then can file a complaint with the attorney general to determine whether they violated your public records act or, um, and then, then, and then that may compel them to turn over the actual information. So ask for the curriculum, but really ask about practices that they have because critical race theory manifests in practices in K through 12 schools. You're not going to have a critical race theory book in school. You're not going to have a critical race theory, um, you know, lesson plan, you know, they're, they're hiding it. They're not going to easily identify it. So what, what, when you say practices, can you, can you just Give a few more examples. I'm trying to, you know, um, conceptualize oh, yeah. this a little bit more. Right. So we've heard about schools where they tell children to identify as either an oppressor or someone who is oppressed. I know that there's a case in Nevada where a biracial student was forced to choose between being an oppressor or an oppressed person. He refused, and then they withheld him from graduating because they said that you know he wasn't like doing the coursework. So they ended up suing 
the school. Um, and I think they submitted a civil rights um, lawsuit against them. So when they're telling your children to, you know, what are all of your identities? Like these are exercises that they do. And then, you know, choose between, you know, whether choose the race that you identify as like, those are all things that they should not be doing, especially with little kids. Um, yeah, and, and let me just chime in here because, you know, I, I think when it comes to having those conversations and shaping the way young children, our children think, um, if they're learning something in the classroom about serious topics, I feel like it should be introduced in the home first. And in my home, girls are girls and boys are boys. And yeah, our preschool, they called everybody friends, but I, I, it didn't go beyond that. You know, I think that was just a nice way for them to say classmates or, you know, it, they just said everyone's a friend. And I, I didn't think twice of it, but now you're speaking and I'm like, oh, wow, should I, I you know, are, are they going beyond that and, and not using girl or boy, he, uh, he or she on purpose? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah. I don't want, I don't want my school getting to my child about a certain issue before I do. And I don't think it's the appropriate time to introduce a lot of these issues to them because they're so little. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, there are lots of things that I can think of that maybe aren't even controversial, but you don't want to talk about it yet because it's not appropriate. Like, for example, I, I'm not going to teach my five-year-old about divorce right now. I don't want her to be concerned that mommy and daddy are going to separate. It's not necessarily controversial, but I, I just want her to be a kid. I don't want her to even know that, like, parents can get divorced, you know, she can, she doesn't have to worry about that right now. So, you know, even if you believe in gender theory, and even if you think CRT is this awesome thing, it's not fair to the kids to start introducing them to these concepts that they cannot comprehend. And that I think are really just going to confuse them. I'm pulling an example from um, an email that you wrote to your school's principal, Colleen Smith. And you said, it's, um, it's number 10. You say, on the phone, you stated that children would not be grouped according to who has pigtails because pigtails is considered gendered terminology. Please cite the education source supporting your assertion that the word pigtails is gendered terminology. I'm kind of rolling my eyes on this one. Yeah, well, you know, when she said that on the phone, I thought, that's not gendered terminology. And then I had this, you know, other layer happened where I thought, so they're teaching these values of gender identity, but it looks like they're not even really qualified to do it right. So, you know, are we going to start telling kids that something like picked, you know, pigtails are for girls? No, no, they can be for boys. Well, let's not, it's gender term. I mean, I don't even know how to rationalize that. So a lot of this is also concerning to me and other parents because it's so illogical. Yeah. And also very encompassing. You know, it, we live in a very PC, very sensitive culture right now. And it, it's almost like anything that you say or do is, is going to be charged. So part of me feels bad for teachers because I wouldn't want to be one right now. How the heck are you supposed to teach anything? Because someone, some parent, some political group is going to have a problem with something that you do, even if you're trying to be as straightforward as possible. Yeah, it's a really toxic and paranoid learning environment where you can't just speak freely because, you know, someone might be so offended that they report you for something that you never meant to offend them over. You're just trying to teach a kid how to read, you know? Well, it's not even like you can't speak freely. You you can't speak 
conservatively or you, you have to have a certain, um, you have to be woke, I, I guess, in the lesson plans and in the teaching in, in order to not be controversial. Is that, is that the takeaway from all of this? I, I guess so. I mean, I really don't know what kind of eggshells you have to walk around when you're teaching, especially in a school that is this um, liberal or leftist. So, Well, you pulled your, your daughter out and she'll be going to private school. And have you had any of these conversations uh, with the private school? And if so, how, how have they been different? All I had to do was say, do you do anything with critical race theory and gender theory? And they said, no. Um, I got a tour the, the day that I called um, and everything was really just taken care of in one day. It was really nice. And I felt excited for my daughter to go to school again. And I just felt like this was the way it's supposed to be. And this is what every parent and child deserves. It's just an education that's free from politicization and just a happy time for everybody. Final two questions. What have other moms, dads, and teachers said to you or, or about you? And I guess I'm going to call it a movement at this point. And then, and then also, are you being funded by any political or outside groups? I'm not being funded by any groups. I have pro bono representation with the Goldwater Institute, so I'm not in need of money for any kind of legal defense. Um, and then in terms of, I think you're asking about the response, I have overwhelming support. Um, people are just messaging me all the time. I can't even keep up with it. People will now send me evidence of what's going on in their school district and sometimes in mine. Um, so that is really, really encouraging. And I hope parents keep doing it. Thank you so much for opening our eyes to what even young children are learning in school and and how inquisitive minds are being bullied to basically, you know, to, to shut up and stand down, but you're not. And thank you for doing that, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks a lot. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.